0: I'm Audrey Cooper, the editor-in-chief of the San Francisco Chronicle, and today on Fifth Emission, something that is very close to our newsroom's heart, the Season of Sharing Fund. In the mid-1980s, the Chronicle and the Evelyn and Walter Haas Jr. Fund got together with a novel idea. Instead of just writing about the issues plaguing the Bay Area, we would do something about them. Out of that, the Season of Sharing Fund was formed. To date, tens of thousands of people have received more than 130 million dollars to help keep them in their homes. One of the best things about the fund is all the money donated by our readers and other donors go directly to people in need. Today, it is the largest newspaper associated nonprofit in the country, beating even national publications. Today, I'm joined by Kevin Fagan, our homelessness and poverty reporter, and our new Season of Sharing director, Zev Lowe. Welcome, gentlemen.
1: Thanks for having us.
0: So, um, Zev, why don't we start with you? Can you explain to everybody how does Season of Sharing work and what makes it different from other nonprofits?
1: Thanks so much, Audrey. So, the Season of Sharing has been fighting against homelessness and hunger For the past 33 years, in all nine counties of the Bay Area, we've distributed $138 million, and that includes $22 million, to local food banks. And that effort has kept 150,000 families and individuals in their homes. We help our neighbors stay in their homes through times of crisis. More and more people in the Bay Area are just one missed paycheck away from losing their homes. And that is a difficult, difficult reality to contend with. And that's where we step in. We're one of the largest sources of private assistance um, here in the Bay Area.
0: I I think you hit the nail on the head because what I really like about it is that um, individuals can apply or go through the counties where they live and they get individual grants. Not a lot of money. I think the maximum is like $5,000 now or something in that ballpark. Yeah, something in that ballpark. Um, It's shocking to me
1: how a, a small amount of money or a relatively small amount of money can go such a long way. When you're looking at a family of four that has been in, a, in an apartment for more than 30 years, that apartment is more likely than not rent controlled. Sometimes you're looking at something like, you know, $1,800 to keep them in their home while they weather a storm. Maybe the primary breadwinner has just been diagnosed with a terrible disease and needs some time to recover. Uh, Maybe uh, somebody has been laid off unexpectedly. Maybe there's been a death in the family. These are all things that happen to our neighbors each and every day, and it's such a privilege to be able to be there for them, to keep them in the homes they already have.
0: Yeah, I think what's so great about this is, you know, Kevin, we talk a lot in the city about— um, the chronically homeless and these issues that are just, mm-hmm. they seem so intractable and they're so difficult because a lot of the people we see on the streets have multiple diagnoses and multiple problems. And there are a lot of people working on that issue. But what we don't see a lot of. And what we don't always talk a lot about, I think, are the families that are really struggling and may only need a few thousand dollars. Maybe that's not a big deal to a lot of us, but it can be the difference between staying housed or staying in school and not.
2: Oh, yeah. And these are hidden successes. You never hear about them because they don't become problems. I love that. This this program has made such profound difference in people's lives. I've written many season of sharing stories over the years. And in, in my several decades as a poverty-oriented kind of guy, as a reporter, I've seen the problem get worse. Uh, it spreads. It's, it's, it's more severe. Uh, nearly half of the people in the Bay Area live paycheck to paycheck. This kind of help, just a couple of thousand dollars, makes such a huge difference, and it really... It it, it breaks your heart and it, it
0: fills you with joy to go talk to people who get this help. Let's hear from someone who was helped by the Season of Sharing Fund in the past.
1: When I lost everything, I was really terrified.
0: With no money and no family helping me, what can you do?
1: You've got to go on the street and try to survive. When I first got help from Season of Sharing, it was just like opening up the world for me to
0: give me some hope. I definitely want to talk about some of the specific cases you remember, but but Zeb, before we go to that, um, I'm on the season of sharing board, which I'm very excited about, and a number of the executives of the Chronicle are, along with members of the Haas Junior Fund. And what what I what people probably don't know if they just read our stories about it is we determine which counties, you know, the nine counties mm-hmm. in the Bay Area, uh, how much money they get, and season of sharing works directly with case managers in the counties, which I think is so great because this is this is not some elaborate non-profit with a marketing department and all of this it's just you you're the one-man band who's organizing this thing and so can you talk a little bit about how you work with the counties to make sure that the people who need you know this this relatively small amount of grants how do they get it how does yeah.
1: that actually work? Absolutely. So you're right, we are a very very small shop. Efficient.
0: Um,
1: <laughs> yeah. It's it's me and um and my associate Kevin Swanson and we work through nine county agencies. So these are agencies that serve uh, individuals and families in each of the counties from, you know, Alameda County to Solano County and Through those counties, uh, we work with 150 different agencies, and these could be uh, community development organizations that work in relatively small geographic areas. So by having one county agency that coordinates for every county, what it does is it it allows us to spread our net much wider than we'd be able to on our own. Um, I wouldn't be able to do justice to each and every each and, e- each and every one of the 150 agencies we work with. But if you or anyone you know um, might be in danger of losing their homes, um, the information about how to access Season of Sharing funds is available on our website, seasonofsharing.org. And you can also call us at 415-777-7120 and be directed to the county in which you live to go through the application process.
0: And I'm so sorry, you're right. I I forgot, Kevin. So I'm sorry, Kevin, you're absolutely essential to how Season of Sharing works. Um, But so once somebody applies, how long does it take? Who is eligible for it? Because there are Mm -hmm. some people who are not eligible and how do how soon can they get the money so that's a great question and I want to take one step back to say we would love
1: to serve everyone Uh, the reality is that we are one of the largest sources of private assistance in the Bay Area and we serve as many people as we can given the generosity of San San Francisco Chronicle subscribers and our donor base Uh, currently we're able to serve senior citizens who are age 55 and above families with dependent children, disabled individuals, veterans, pregnant people in their second or third trimester, victims of domestic violence, and transitioning emancipated foster youth uh, who reside in the nine Bay Area counties. It takes on average two weeks from application to when somebody receives those funds.
0: Oh wow, that's really fast. Mm. So Kevin, you've written a lot of these stories. I've edited a lot of these stories. Yes. there, what are the common defining characteristics of a season of sharing story, in your opinion? People who live right to the bone mm-hmm. and then fall out uh, have, a, have, a, have a problem
2: of some kind. Last year I wrote about this lovely man who is disabled and couldn't get out of bed. He needed a lift to be able to get out of bed. He couldn't afford this thing. He was going to have to lay in bed, uh, potentially getting bed sores, you know, not engaging in life uh, because he didn't have this device. Seasonal sharing bought it for him. Uh, I wrote about a woman who uh, used to make ice cream sandwiches. Had a lovely life. Everyone around her kind of died and went away, and she was uh, alone, living in an apartment with a roommate. The roommate died, and she was in trouble. Could she make the rent? I, I, near, you know, so many people live check to check. Uh, she was in such trouble, and uh, it was it was just really heartening to see the difference the 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 regeneration that this kind of funding made in people's lives
0: one of the i think one of the stories that seems to recur a lot in my memory is people who can't afford first and last month's rent so they may have a job and they have an income and they find uh, like, uh, amazingly, they find a place in the Bay Area that they can afford, but it's that last hurdle, the first and last month's rent. And that seems to be a huge percentage of the people, uh, of, of of the grants that are given out. Is that fair?
1: Yes, that's fair. Um, it's often actually the deposit in the first month's rent. In many cases, you have people who uh, have to leave their public housing and have to move into new public housing, which costs more. And on a month to month basis, this is something that they can afford. But there's a gap between when they will receive their old deposit, if they'll receive it at all, and when they need to make the payments on the new place. Moreover, deposits have gotten higher and higher over the Mm -hmm. years. And so that constitutes a real challenge for many of the people we serve.
0: I also remember a story about somebody who had made the deposit, made the first rent, had 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 it had everything going for them and they didn't have enough money to buy furniture and they had no mattresses for their kids. And yeah. it, you know, Kevin, like the one thing that will set me off more than anything is anybody not, like any child suffering. Yeah. It's just oh, my, yeah. it's my trigger on all of these stories. But to be able to buy mattresses seems like such a simple thing. Are there other nonprofits, Kevin, that do this sort of like incremental work? There are some. There's a really good uh, intervention program in Santa Clara County in particular. Uh,
2: where they calculate about 4000 bucks per intervention can keep a family out of homelessness. Uh, it's just those few thousand bucks that can uh, make such a difference. And it's so much more expensive to be on the street and to and then to pull people in and to,
0: to fix them. So much better to prevent problems
2: than to fix them.
0: Absolutely. Well, I want to take a break right now, but we're going to be back and talk uh, a little more with Zev and some changes coming to the fund this year. I'm back with Zev Lowe, the new executive director of the Season of Sharing Fund, and Kevin Fagan, uh, our our homelessness and poverty issues reporter. Kevin, um, we're talking about season of sharing fund. So that just that that that's a season. We know what that is. That starts on Thanksgiving. That's the first time we write start writing these stories. Um, why why is this all focused around uh thanksgiving and and the, and the winter holidays well
2: that's the time when people generally feel magnanimous you know you get the 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 turkeys at thanksgiving the, the the toys for kids at christmas and those are wonderful efforts the 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 difference is that this kind of season of sharing effort needs to go on all year in fact frankly the turkey and the, and the gift should go on all year too but um it's, it's important to, to, to think long ball on this. This is not a seasonal problem. This is an all-year
1: problem.
0: And this money is going out year-round, isn't it? Absolutely,
1: yes. The work that we do is year-round. 90% of fundraising, though, happens during the season for all the reasons you mentioned, Kevin. But yeah, we continue to work with our nine county partners and our 150 different agencies all year-round.
0: And we're adding who's eligible and, and what we're giving money to, too. For example, during the wine country fires, we had an emergency session where we said, there are a lot of people that need help right away because, you know, so many people people were displaced in those fires and in subsequent fires in the Bay Area. And and the fund can act quickly to, to give assistance for these acute crises.
1: Yes, absolutely. And being at the fund has actually taught me that it isn't just about people losing their homes during the fires. A lot of people, a lot more people um, lost their livelihoods. Yeah. because of the fires. And that's a problem as well. If you're talking to somebody who's a picker who now has nowhere to pick fruit, how are they going to pay next month's rent? Mm-hmm. If you're talking about somebody who, you know, works at a vineyard and maybe is a sommelier or helps with wine tasting, works in hospitality somehow and the B&B no longer exists, how are they going to pay next month's rent? The scope of the problem is larger than we think it is. And at the Season of Sharing Fund, that's where we try to step in to help.
2: And I was going to say one heartening thing for me in dealing with a lot of Season of Sharing people, mothers, uh, uh, elderly people, people taking care of relatives, a lot of people, they really want to work. They They want to contribute. They want to support themselves. And they just need this little hand to get over. You know, wine country fires, you lose your job at the winery. Well, the winery is generally going to come back again. You just got to bridge it. And, it's, and that's where this thing comes in handy.
0: Kevin, You, um, I think you're writing the inaugural story for 2019 that will appear on Thanksgiving Day, I believe isn't so, it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So can you tell us um, the uh, about the people who were recipients of funds that oh, you're this was
2: about? There was a wonderful guy named Jack Hendricks who uh, 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 worked as a house painter all his life. Uh, hard-working guy. You know, you tell me to paint 10 feet, I go 15, that kind of guy. Uh, uh, didn't save a lot of money, got sick. He, like a lot of uh, older people who encounter trouble involving homelessness, he got aged out of his job. His back went out, his hands froze up, trouble. He he goes on disability payments, but in between he has to live two years in his car, finally gets stabilized, gets a place to live, then he gets cancer. Landlord says, cancer, huh? You're out of here.
0: Why? Why? Why does cancer? Why is that something? That He'd have affected? to have
2: a caregiver come in. It was a shared house. He'd have to have a caregiver come in. It would. He would have medications. He would be uncertain as a future renter because you know, God forbid, he might die. It, it, it was. It was hard to tell what the what the reasons are, and that thing's being uh, uh, semi litigated through a, a nonprofit agency. So uh, the details are a little fuzzy on it. But what what season of sharing did was came in. And uh, at the the request of a case manager and paid first and last month's rent on a place. The wine country fires have decimated so much of the housing. This guy lives in wine country. And uh, finding a place was like a needle in a haystack. His case manager found it. They had to move fast. They had to put down the money. This guy didn't have the money. Season assuring, ponied it up, and now he lives in a great place.
1: And Kevin, I think one of the things that, that's particularly heartbreaking and particularly notable about this case is that he had already gone through chemotherapy and radiation and was ready to have surgery to remove his tumor. But without stable housing, he wasn't a candidate for surgery.
2: Yeah, he was headed for a homeless shelter. And a homeless shelter is not stable enough to do uh, continuing chemo and radiation and surgery. So uh, going to a shelter would have probably been a death sentence for him. And season of sharing made it a life sentence instead
0: that's really great and i and i think this story also speaks to i i'm always impressed with the bravery of the people who are helped who agreed to have a photographer and a reporter come into your house because yeah. i mean we may don't maybe don't think that that's a scary thing cuz we talk to reporters and photographers all day but if you're somebody who's um you know living on the line and 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 got assistance a lot of them as you said are very proud and for them there are thousands of people that season of sharing helps we only see a few of their stories of the people who are really brave enough to come forward and saying yeah this is my story and it helped
2: yeah and it's a vulnerable moment for them because you're showing them at a at a, 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 a you know a terrible moment in their lives that's why it's really important one thing i like about this that's really important is you get to show a happy ending I mean, I, I love a story with a happy ending. Every one of these has a happy ending.
0: Yeah, that's uh, true. And, and Zev, you were saying before that it's not uncommon that a lot of these people are, are dealing with health issues. That seems to be something that's increasingly true for season of sharing recipients. I think that's true. I think that cancer in particular
1: is something that we see quite a lot of in season of sharing grant applications. It's something that puts people out of work for an extended period of time. It's hard to be in chemotherapy treatment and still go to your job. And if your entire family and your children are relying on you for that paycheck, it might be a little while. You might need a
0: little something to bridge the
1: gap before you can go back to work again.
0: Yeah. So, so last question, Zev, I, I want to address to you. now, you are new as the, the head honcho of the season of Sharing fund. Um, we put you through what I think is the most extensive interview process I have ever <laughs> witnessed in my life. Um, so you are definitely battle tested already. What do you what coming into it, what do you hope to change and, and, and improve and what's your vision for what this is like in the next five years, say?
1: Well, it's been six weeks, so,
0: (laughs) and we're already forcing you to come on to the podcast. (laughs) You came
2: into the hot part.
0: So five years
1: is a uh, little—it's a little bit long. It's a bit a little bit longer range than I think I feel comfortable talking about right now. But I think that there are two things I'd like to do. First, um, it's the generosity of our donors that has allowed us to expand the pool of people we serve. Just in the last few years, we've been able to add veterans to the mix. Um, And I'd like to do more of that. I'd love to lead, lead a conversation with our partners in all nine counties to see how we can further expand these criteria in a way that corresponds with the need. Second, I'd love to see more younger people get involved with this issue. Most of our donors are over the age of 55. They're the people who get the paper edition of the Chronicle mailed to their home and have for decades. I feel like our generation, my generation, it really is in a position more than any other generation to understand the difficult reality of what it's like to live paycheck to paycheck and have no savings. And I think that, I mean, it's hard to speak for my entire generation or our entire generation, but I feel like we do want to do something about it. I think there is a little bit of a misconception that I'd like to address, which is, you know, unless I have $10,000 or $100,000, I can't do anything about it. That's not true. Your $5 a month keeps a family's lights on while the sole breadwinner recovers from a medical crisis. Your $10 a month buys groceries for a veteran while they qualify for disability assistance. And if you have $1,800, that's on average what it takes for us to keep a family in their homes for a month. So you don't need to have tons of money. I think that what I'd love to do more than anything is to get more people fired up about this and more people wanting to get engaged and do something. And you'll see some changes to our website and our social media in the next few months that reflect that desire. Well, these stories show
2: that it does make a difference. And it's, it's you know, it, it, like I said, it's very moving to me. I don't like to get wool pulled over my eyes and this one doesn't do it. It really makes a difference. Uh, it, just a little bit of money. And I'll tell you, your generation, a younger generation, uh, you know, I've got a kid about that same age. They, they, you, you grew up charity-minded. You grew up doing community service. You grew up thinking about others. And I think most people are decent in their hearts. And most people understand how Forking out a little bit of money is to make a difference. And this one makes a big difference.
0: I always wonder how much of my money is going to go to the people in need. And, and the thing mm-hmm. I like about this yeah. is the Chronicle and the Haas Junior Fund are paying the administrative fees. So it's going directly to the people who need. And I think it's the most Bay Area value that we have, that we take care of our neighbors who are just on the precipice. And that's what I think. It doesn't matter uh what your politics are. It doesn't matter if you believe in a, a, a policy direction a city or a county is taking. This is something that I think transcends all of those issues that we're dealing with in the Bay Area. And with more people in the Bay Area than ever living paycheck to paycheck, this isn't
1: those people out there, these are our neighbors, and that's what we're doing. It's neighbors helping neighbors, which is maybe one of the oldest values of all.
2: Yeah, and I'll tell you, it makes a huge difference. The case managers that I've talked to over the years, are they, they, they cast about desperately looking for resources. And when they hit season of sharing and they're able to get help for their clients, it's like they practically drop to their knees and you know scream to the skies. It's, it's really hard to get this kind of help.
0: All right. Well, we have, I think we have done the best job we can do convincing everybody. Zev, once again, if people want to donate, how should they do it?
1: www.seasonofsharing.org. That's seasonofsharing.org.
0: Great. And, And at that website, too, if you're somebody who needs help, you can also find resources there. Good luck with this very important nonprofit that we've entrusted you to. Um, Have a happy first Season of Sharing season. And thanks a lot for coming into the studio today.
1: Thanks for having me. Cool. Glad to be here.
0: Thank you to Zev Lowe, the new executive director of the Season of Sharing Fund, and reporter Kevin Fagan for being with me today. Thanks to King Kaufman and Karen Creighton for producing this episode. And thank you for listening. Fifth and Mission is part of the San Francisco Chronicle podcast network.
2: If you like this show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts.
0: And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing.
2: You can support Fifth and Mission and the newsroom that creates it with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle.
0: There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.